Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by the one, the only, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field talking about Packers-Lions, which will take place at Ford Field in Detroit on Sunday. It's a noon Central Time kickoff. And, Wes, when you look at this 1-6 Lions team, there's one statistic that absolutely jumps off the page. In four home games, the Lions have scored 143 points, nearly 36 per game. In three road games, they've scored just 30 points, only 10 per game. Well, this game is at Ford Field. The Lions are at home, and that is the explosive offense that the Packers are preparing for. It's like the, the, the greatest show on turf, but nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at um, least so far. At least so far. It, it, listen, um, in that very spot over there, I know Justin and Marvin can't pan over there right now, but Larry McCarron and I did our three things video on Wednesday evening, and Larry put it out there bluntly. You, you can't take this Lions team lightly no for way. that reason. Um, no way. To also quote Larry, their defense is the pits. I mean, they are basically bottom of everything. Yep. But offensively, uh, particularly as you illustrated when they're at Ford Field, this team can play with anybody. And Kenny Clark was kind of outlining this a little bit. For him, he thought it starts a lot with their offensive line. A lot of resources they've invested there. That has helped their run game improve over the last few years. Certainly a back that is as stable and consistent as Jamal Williams. That has given them sort of a foundation to build their offense. And if you go back and look at Jared Goff throughout his career, that is when he has really has excelled, when he's had – a back that he can play off of and create downfield opportunities. Now, Amon Ross St. Brown has been banged up here for them as of late. They just traded TJ Hawkinson. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see which playmakers step up for them, especially with DeAndre Swift still missing practices. But you can't overlook this Lions team. They're 1-6, but there's a lot of dangerous-looking statistics in that uh, stat sheet. Yeah, you mentioned Jared Goff and I think the the thing and and coupled with that running game. Jared Goff so far this season through 7 games has a 93.2 passer rating. That is his best passer rating since 2018. For all of the uh um uh you know all all of the uh, uh you know gruff he's taken from fans for for not living up to that, you know, to his draft status over the course of his career. Jared Goff is putting together his best season in in quite a while. They did get DeAndre Swift back last week in a limited role. Um, 
perhaps he's still going to be available this week. Don't know, but DeAndre Swift in limited action this year because of injuries is averaging 7.4 yards per carry. I mean, this is a guy who's taking chunks of the field when he gets an opportunity. You mentioned Jamal Williams, eight rushing touchdowns, which ranks second in the league um, in rushing touchdowns. I believe it's uh, Chubb from Cleveland with 10 is, uh, is on top of the league. Jamal Williams has eight. But no TJ Hawkinson because of the trade to the Minnesota Vikings. I'm curious to see if a whole lot really changes with regard to Detroit's offense or if it's just, okay, Hawkinson's not available, so you put in a tight end to, you know, it, it's, it's, it, are they just going to do a plug-and-play type of thing and try to, try to continue that? Or is there going to be a little bit more of a, a radical or wholesale change because you don't have TJ Hawkinson in the mix anymore? I'm not sure which way they're going to go, especially on short notice. Well, Mike, I'm going to have to be 150% honest with you. I have no idea who Brock Wright and James Mitchell are. Um, I don't either. Maybe I'm not doing Which is why I didn't even bring North. up the names, but you called them up on your uh, I, Surface tablet. I, here's the thing, though. I have paid a lot of attention to Hawkinson this year. The huge game he had a few weeks ago, being the primary target for Jared Goff. 395 yards so far this season. That was that was tops on the Lions. Now, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds both over 300 yards as well. But yardage-wise, Hawkinson was number one on their list. Yeah, and, and Goff, I mean, you just watched the games, Mike, when he needed a receiver, when he needed a go-to guy, it was Hawkinson. So I'm very interested to see who steps up in that spot for them right now because – as difficult as things have been offensive or defensively for them offensively is why they've been able to stay in a lot of these games. And, you know, you look at the fact that they went, you know, up 38, 35 with the Philadelphia Eagles in week one, a game that I thought everybody was probably overlooking at the beginning of the season, because it's like, okay, how good are the Eagles going to be this year? But it doesn't really matter. They're going up against the lions. And then suddenly the lions kind of opened some eyes. And I think if you went through those first, second, or third weeks of the season, people actually really like, you know, Detroit's chances this year in the second year under Dan Campbell. But games have gotten away from them. As you said, on the road, they've really struggled. And defensively, across the board, they haven't been able to stop anybody. So how this offense reacts is what I'm really interested to see because I know the quotes out this week from Brad Holmes about their general manager. You know, we would have done this trade if we were 6-1 and one too. I beg to disagree with that. I mean, second and, you know, fifth round picks, whatever it ended up being, it's good equity. I get it. But TJ Hawkinson was the eighth overall pick a couple of years ago. Yeah. He was a guy that was showing, in my opinion, legitimate playmaking Pro Bowl potential when he's been healthy, when he hasn't had some, you know, there's been some concussions and stuff. To take him away from this offense now, I just, I'm just very curious how the Lions respond to that because that's a pretty vivid message that you're sending to your organization that not only are we probably going to continue this rebuild, when you take away a guy that's 25 years old or whatever a Hawkinson is, that, that, that kind of tells you that we still feel like we're a lot farther away than maybe we were hoping at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it was a curious move, and you, may, and you make a good point as far as how, how is the locker room, how are the players uh, going to react to that, seeing a, a major piece, even though they're 1-6, one they're one and six, but they've been right in a lot of games. They've lost three shootouts at home. You know, the game you mentioned with the Eagles, the score was in the 30s. They lost to the Seahawks at home 48-45. to 45. They lost um, just last week at home to Miami, uh, 31-27, to when they had jumped out to a 14-0 lead. 
but their defense faltered through the second and third quarters, and Miami really got rolling. That defense is 32nd, last in the league in both yards and points allowed. That being said, their one win this year was sort of a shootout at home against the Washington Commanders, a high-scoring game that that uh, um, that they were able to pull out. So the other response, I think, to see what happens here with regard to the Lions is they just uh, fired their defensive backs coach this week, Aubrey Pleasant. Um, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, who is a defensive back by trade and made his way to the to the coordinator position through the secondary, so to speak, they decided to move on from Aubrey Pleasant. So then with all of the problems that they've had with their past defense, you know, are they, are they going to change something? Are they going to try something new? I, th- I think you know, that change at defensive backs coach and also the trade for Hawkinson makes this a challenge this week in some respects for the Packers in terms of preparing and studying film because you don't know what changes they're going to make based on uh, um, based on these moves that just happened uh, within the last few days. Well, and how drastic are they going to be? Are they going to really try some different type of stuff there? Because you're kind of getting to this point where – let me just read off some of these statistics really quickly if you don't mind. I know you're usually the stat guy. I'm going to wear that hat here for a couple minutes. Sure. They're giving up 32.1 points per game. As much as we put this on Pleasant in the passing game, them being 27th against the pass this season is actually one of their better statistics right now. They are 32nd in total yards, giving up 421 yards per game. They are 30th against the run, giving up 154 yards per game. Interceptions, they only have two this season. Third down defense, they are dead last in the National Football League, 50.6% of the time not being able to get stopped. So I look at this right now from Detroit's perspective is, okay, we have Aiden Hutchinson. He looks like he's going to be pretty good. Four and a half sacks on the season. But I don't know what else there is to really hang their hat on. Right. Right. Hutchinson has the four and a half sacks to lead the team. Nobody else on the team has more than one and a half. I mean, he he is sort of the, the crux of their defense. What I wonder about in terms of, you know, I know it's short notice in terms of making changes, from a schematic standpoint or whatever you want to call it, but at the same time, they're one and six. Yeah, at some at some point here, I mean, we've seen we've seen Dan Campbell, he loves to go for it on fourth down. He likes to fake punts. He likes to onside kick. He he likes to he likes to pull out all the stops. And so to 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 a certain extent now now that they're one and six nearing the midway point of their season at some point, it's going to be like, "Hey, we got we got nothing to lose. Let's yep. just let let's let let's try whatever and and see if we can beat you know a struggling Green Bay Packers team coming in with a four game losing streak." And for Green Bay, I mean, this is this is the perfect elixir. There's a lot of you know, kind of some pressure on the Packers here coming off a four game losing streak to still be favored in this game. Detroit's giving up 25 first downs a game right now. That's one and a half more than the next team. That's crazy. Six six per quarter. Six I mean, six per first downs per quarter. That's so. That's kind of wild. So for the Packers, a team that offensively has been struggling to find itself at times, been trying to find perimeter weapons to to step up. Aaron Rodgers was asked it. Are you prepared to go to a shootout in this one? He's like, Yeah. We he said he said we better be. We better be. Yeah. You know. I mean. Yeah. It, that's the way this thing is put together right now for the Packers. So. The guys in the locker room understand that urgency. And one of the points I made in our Insider Inbox column, and it kind of goes off, dovetailing off what a lot of the guys said in the locker room was, this isn't about getting style points. You don't need to, you know, finesse on them. You don't need to have a blowout. 
Packers need a win right now. Yeah, absolutely. And they need a win before they come back home and face a good Dallas team, uh, a, a very dangerous Tennessee Titans team. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Packers the, the Packers are going to come off this game in Detroit and then have two home games in a span of five days. You get a win, you all of a sudden start, you know, maybe to feel a little bit better about yourself, generate some kind of momentum. Two home games in five days against Lam- at Lambeau against very, very good teams. But this is, I mean, right here, this is it. A road game at Detroit, a team that's only won one game, and then two home games in a span of five days. If the Packers are going to turn their season around, it's going to be now. Because if I'm Matt LaFleur in that locker room, <clears throat> obviously it would never be a speech with him because they're not looking to pass the front opponent, but 14 days, 14 days from now, the Packers could be a game above 500 yeah. if you play your cards right over these next two weeks. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The good thing for Green Bay coming out of Wednesday, we saw Alan Lazard return back to practice. That would be a huge get for them with this offense. You know, Christian Watson, we don't know what the prognosis is going to be for him, but at the very least, it seems like he's doing okay. I think he was out there. You were at practice. Yeah, he wasn't stretching. He, he wasn't going through the drills on the field, but he was present at practice. He was going through the team stretch at the beginning of practice, which is a good sign because some in, in certain stages of the protocol, like you don't even see the player yep. down by the field at all. So, again, we don't know how this is going to – shake out for Watson as the rest of the week unfolds. But that was a really good sign just to see him with his teammates on Wednesday. And as Roger said too, you know, and hopefully here in a couple of weeks they can get Randall Cobb back. So the, the Packers, we, we saw what happened with the trading deadline and when, when everybody, I, I know that's such a big point of contention right now amongst fan base, but the reality is no matter what would have happened there, the Packers had to rely on Romeo Dobbs, Samori Toure, Christian Watson to improve. And they needed guys like Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and Sammy Watkins to lead. Uh, with this group early on it's been tough there's no question about it but I think if you look at that game against Buffalo again a team that was considered is considered a Super Bowl favorite Packers did a lot of positive things in there now is the time to build on that learn from your mistakes and go and impose your will against the Lions all right I want us to specifically call out our keys to victory in a minute here but first I'll take care of some sponsor business Sirius XM NFL radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24 7 365 and at cousin subs we have something for everyone like our Wisconsin cheese curds mac and cheese golden fries and creamy shakes all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl cousin subs 50 years of better All right, the keys to victory here. We will see Aaron Rodgers sounded uh, sounded positive, optimistic about the prospect of David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins playing side-by-side on the left side of the offensive line this week, even though both of them um, did not practice on Wednesday. You mentioned the, the, the situation going on with the receivers. I think if the Packers, based on what we saw from this offensive line, certainly in the running game with the 200-plus yards against the Buffalo Bills last week. With the changes that have been made, Yash Nyman's now at right tackle. John Runyon's been flipped over to right guard. You're trying to get Jenkins back in there at left guard, and Bakhtiari played the entire game last week at left tackle. If this unit settles in, 
obviously Aaron Rodgers is the captain. He's the he's the you know the leader of the whole thing. But if if that's your starting five on the offensive line, and if that group can settle in and start to play every game every week on a consistent basis and have some continuity and reliability there, that's the unit in my opinion that's going to lead this Packers offense back to a, to the productive level that they're hoping for and that they're counting on. So. Um, I would like to see, I, I really would like to see, obviously, that that starting five going against the bottom-ranked defense in the entire league and that starting five control this football game. I agree, Mike, because the thing is, is it's not just about Jenkins and Bakhtiari. It's the fact that, you know, you look at Yash Nyman being able to get three weeks now at right tackle, and that's that's your spot. You don't have to worry about a rotation. You don't have to worry if something's going to happen. You're going to concentrate on this, and we'll, we'll deal with whatever happens on the left side as it happens. Being able to develop that comfort. Last week, it was a little bit of a grind early on with the pass pro, but they made some adjustments there. I thought, for the most part, the run blocking was exceptional, uh, particularly from the skill, the skill positions. Yeah. Um, Josiah DeGuara made some good blocks you know, near the line of scrimmage. Outside, you see these guys giving second effort there. That's the key to breaking this thing. Sammy Watkins talked about it last week. They know what Aaron Jones is capable of if you get him to the second level. It's up to the receivers to kind of give him that second block. Yeah. Yep. To be able to spring him for a touchdown. That's no the question. one thing they've been missing so far because he has gotten to the second and third level pretty easily this season. But the big thing for me really comes back to Aaron Rodgers in this game. I feel like, you know, he, he mentioned it too, you know, wanting to get the most out of himself, rising to the challenge himself. Um, this offense, you know, the guys are going to drop passes. There's going to be mistakes made. But so much of this is riding on the quarterback. And I just felt like one positive, it was very small, and I get that it was in a two-minute type format, so it's not really within the traditional scheme of the offense. Yeah. But the Packers, when they had to turn back to the pass – against Buffalo after three quarters of running it. They've made some big plays. Romeo Dobbs made some big plays. Samori Toure made some big plays. Now you're going up against Detroit Lions secondary that I'm going to just say it is not overly talented. They aren't that deep. Yeah, they haven't gotten the job done this year. And they haven't been able to take away the football. Right. The key to victory for me in this one, Mike, is being able to penetrate that secondary get touchdowns, and win the turnover battle. That, that's kind of, for me, what it all comes back to. Yeah, on the, on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to be writing about this for, for my one last look column on Saturday. On the defensive side of the ball, as, as much as Aaron Rodgers, he was asked the question, hey, you know, are you guys prepared to go win a shootout? And he says, yeah, we better be. I think it's on, it's on the Packers' defense to not let this game become a shootout. This... This is where we, we've been talking about it week after week. Every single game, there are stretches where this Packers defense plays really well. Yeah. But what has happened in this four-game losing streak and what I'm outlining in my, up, in my upcoming column, each of the last four games, there has been a stretch of at least three and in a couple of cases, five possessions where the opponent has scored consecutively you know, five straight possessions against the Giants in London, five straight possessions last week against... Buffalo. It was stretches of three consecutive possessions against both the Jets and the Commanders. This Packers defense, you're not going to go out there and pitch shutouts. You're not going to hold everybody to 10 or 12 points. That's not how it works in this league. But what this Packers defense has to do 
is when the other team starts to make some plays, when they start to get something rolling, they've got to find a way to stop the bleeding. They've got to find a way to undercut that momentum so that the snowball doesn't just get run downhill out of control to where suddenly the other team has put 17 or 20 or 27 points on the board in a span of a quarter and a half or two quarters, and then the whole team is reeling. Detroit, as we talked about at the top of the show, they have an offense that is capable of getting rolling and putting up some big points on that fast track at Ford Field. This Packers defense, bottom line for me, they cannot let this game become a shootout. They have, they have to do their job and not force the Packers offense, as poor as Detroit's defense is, they can't force the Packers offense to say, hey, you got to go score 35 and win this game. That, that's not going to bode well in the big picture for trying to turn this thing around for Green Bay. I agree, Mike. And, and the other thing just to tie into that is I think that's why the Amon Ross St. Brown equation gets, gets included in this because the one takeaway I had from that Week 18 game, there wasn't a lot to draw from it. But it did show you that this kid, in terms of a possession receiver, in terms of a guy that's going to be able to move the first down marker, this kid's going to get it done. Yeah. And when you, mac- when you add in a running back, regardless of what happens with Swift, but somebody like Jamal Williams that's going to run hard for his yards, when Detroit's able to get into that rhythm, much like the Packers, much like a lot of teams, when you're able to start moving those first downs one after another, that's when it does get demoralizing for a defense. That's when it hard- sometimes is hard to get that stop in the midst of a run. Amon Ross St. Brown and how the Packers choose to defend him is going to be very telling because it's not like he's just this typical – you know, uh, Stefan Diggs, you're worried about a 70-yard touchdown on any given play, but he can hurt you, and he can hurt you in, in situations and third and favorables that can really make for a long afternoon. Yeah, and you look at that Week 18 game, I know the Packers ended up, you know, resting guys in the second half and all that, but going back to what we talked about before with Dan Campbell, the Lions were pulling trick plays out of absolutely. Where, I mean, the, the Packers have to have to be ready for absolutely anything that Dan Campbell might want to try in this game, whether whether it's from scrimmage, whether it's on special teams, whatever the case might be. Um, this Dan Campbell is going to pull out all the stops to beat the Green Bay Packers and get his team its, its second win. I, I think Green Bay has to be ready for that. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Elsewhere, week nine in the NFL, just to touch on a couple games. One I think that's interesting in the AFC, just partly because the Packers have already played both of these teams, is Buffalo is at the New York Jets for a, a, a big matchup in the AFC East. And this one stands out to me for the New York Jets because they had gotten themselves to five and two. And people were saying, oh, you know, Robert Sala, the, you know, turning around the Jets, maybe the Jets are for real. Well, then, you know, they kind of, they kind of stunk it up against the Patriots, a division rival. Um, took a loss that I think a lot of people, with everything going on with the quarterback situation in New England, people thought, oh, you know, the Jets. They should be able to beat their division rival here. Now they're hosting the Buffalo Bills, the team on top of the division, team a lot of people pointing to in the AFC as a Super Bowl favorite. This is the chance for the Jets. They're, e- they're either going to make the statement that they're in this thing and, uh, and they're a legitimate contender in the AFC, or 
they're going to be one of those other, you know, teams in the mix that's maybe scrambling to, uh, you know, to just squeak into the playoffs with a bottom wild card seed. That's how I see this game potentially for the Jets. Could go either way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what happened is they lost their identity. Brees Hall got hurt. And now, you know, they, they traded for James Robinson. Certainly Robinson needs some time to pick up the scheme. But that offense is a lot different when Michael Carter's back there as opposed to Hall. You know, Corey Davis, I think, has had some injuries as well. So, I... You know, Zach Wilson, they, they believe in him, and he's the future for them. But I felt like when he's playing at his best, it's because he's had a running back to kind of play off of, and they lost that home run threat now with Hall. Yeah. Another interesting one in the NFC, Rams at Buccaneers. And uh, if you had told me if you had told me at the beginning of the season that we'd be sitting here with our Thursday Week 9 show talking about a – a matchup in early November between the Rams and Buccaneers and both teams would be below 500, be wondering what in the world is going on. Right. But, um, this is, uh, this is the type of game that is, uh, you know, that's potentially a, a season saver in some respects for one team or the other here. This is an interesting one in the NFC. And the big thing for Todd Bowles is he needs to remind his team. Yeah. Everything's feeling like the world's against us, but we're like a game and I, you know, game half game out from the lead right now in their division yeah their division the leader is at four and four, four, and four. i think right? so i mean so. like yeah as much as this has been difficult as much as they can't run the ball or don't run the ball um that there's still a huge opportunity here the rams are kind of in an abyss right now like i'm sort of at a loss for why the rams have kind of that this thing's gone as as it has we know that they didn't really have much of a run game you know since the cam Akers injury we know it's been kind of hit or miss at times um, with this offense, but to, to be in this type of stretch in a division that's as competitive as the West is right now with teams like Seattle coming out of nowhere to, yeah. to be right up there, yeah. um, it's a must-win game. I, I always said it, Mike. I never felt like there were must-win games in November, but the way that these uh, this NFC North and, and that NFC West have played out, definitely uh, good games to get. Yeah. What I think is probably the game of the week in the NFL this is year. Is Philadelphia and Houston. Let's get going. <laughs> Let's talk about it. No, I don't <laughs> think so. But I'm excited about it because it's on Sunday night football, and with the Packers playing at noon, hopefully we can get the bulk of our work, if not all of our work done, um, before this game or shortly after this game kicks off. And, of course, I'm talking about the Sunday night matchup, Tennessee at Kansas City. With what Derrick Henry is doing, you know, running the football, pounding the ball for Tennessee, a team that, as we talked about before, Green Bay is going to see them two weeks from tonight. Yep. Um, and then Kansas City playing at home, Arrowhead under the lights and everything like that. But a Chiefs team that, you know, maybe hasn't quite found itself just yet. And we've seen that before with Kansas City where they're not, they're you know, Andy Andy Reid has Andy Reid has shown an ability to get that team to really get that team clicking on all cylinders into December and January to to make the deep playoff runs that they have become accustomed to making. But this is an interesting one for early November. Tennessee at Kansas City in the AFC. In Tennessee is the they are the Minnesota Vikings of the AFC right now. I mean yeah. they are winning the games they need to win. I have so much respect for Mike Vrabel. That team continues to pull out these games one score games. I mean, they got the brakes beat off them in week two, uh, you know, by Buffalo. But since then, I've really rallied. And for the Packers' sake, if you're a Packers fan, I think you really do need to pull for Kansas City here because after this, Tennessee gets Denver, which has kind of gutted their defense a little bit now. Yeah. That, that, that could be a really tough proposition if 
if the Titans are really rolling that much heading into Lambeau Field in two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and all of our coverage of Sunday's game, Packers and Lions in Detroit. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.